Hey, it's good to see you today. My name is Philip Thomas, pastor of Journey here in Elgin, Texas. Hope that you had a wonderful Christmas and New Year. It's hard to believe it's 2023, but this is our first Tuesday edition of our Journey Through Scripture as we continue to walk chronologically through the Bible. We're getting close to kind of another transition period. We're getting very close to the end of uh, the the time of the exile and the return of the exiles. Uh, so today we're going to be looking at uh, Zechariah um, chapters 9 through 14. So Zechariah 9 through 14. Now, Zach, we've, we've read some of Zechariah before that um, there's, there's lots of visions, um, you know, prophecy in Zechariah. Um, a lot of that, especially in the first eight chapters, would actually be fulfilled um, in that that time frame, they were they were talking about uh, governors and things like that 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 would happen relatively soon. Then you get uh, Zechariah nine through fourteen, and it's clearly looking to the uh, future. There's all kinds of debate on exactly wh- who these prophecies are about, when they are about. Um, we're not going to be able to solve that today. Um, I, I think one of the most important things when you're looking at prophecy and, and things like that, especially apocalyptic, um, right, looking to the future of how things are going to end up, um, the most important thing to do is kind of to look at the bigger picture of, of why that is happening, of looking at what are the people doing that is leading to the uh, calamity that is to come. Um, that's part of it. Um, so we can see signs of when things are headed that direction and we should try to push back against that. Um, so that's one of the things that we can do with apocalyptic writing. And we don't have to get get um, buried in all the details of, ex- well, exactly when is this happening? Has it already happened? Is it going to happen? Um, it, eventually, God is going to come and make things right. And that's another aspect of apocalyptic writing that it brings hope that eventually everything will be held to account and God will make things right. But as far as our focus goes on, uh, you've got to be careful getting too caught up in, in trying to, to just uh, interpret all of these things on a, and, and make them fit into a certain uh, timeline or historical setting. And um, there's a lot that we can learn from it without getting uh, caught up in that too much. Um, but we have, so we have uh, Zechariah 9 through 14 are clearly things looking to the future. Some say that a lot of this was um, fulfilled during the time of Alexander the Great, so in the 300 BCs. Um, you, you definitely see some prophecies that point towards the coming Christ. And then you also see prophecies of the day of the Lord that, appears to not have happened yet, right? So all of those things can, can be, be true. Um, we, we don't know for sure, but we can still gain um, some uh, valuable insight uh, by looking at this. So as you look at uh, chapter 9 uh, of Zechariah, 
It uh, says, the burden of the word of the Lord against the land of Hadrach, Damascus, its resting place for the eyes of men and all the tribes of Israel are on the Lord. Also against Hamath, which borders on it against Tyre and Sidon, though they are very wise. And then this is interesting. It says, for Tyre built herself a tower, heaped up silver like dust and gold like the mire of the streets. Behold, the Lord will cast her out. He will destroy her power in the sea and she will be devoured by fire. Tyre was a very prominent and powerful city. It was a port city um, that um, had, had lots of wealth and power. Uh, Alexander the Great did come in and basically destroy Tyre um, completely. Um, so is that what it was talking about? Who, who knows? But what Zechariah is predicting is all of these places and peoples um, who have um, inflicted damage against Israel Ultimately, they are going to be held accountable as well. Um, and uh, then uh, verse 9, it's talking about the coming king. It says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the horse from Jerusalem. The battle bow will be cut off. He shall speak peace to the nations. His dominion shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. Sounds like a Messiah figure. Sounds like maybe what who Jesus is. Right? Jesus did not bring the sword. Um, he, he brought peace. Um, now, eventually, he will bring the sword uh, when he returns again. But uh, so we, we see that is Zechariah there talking about uh, the coming Messiah. I, I think very well could be. Um, it, you continue on and it, it will always talk about how God will save his people, how the people will be restored. Um, verse two of chapter 10, uh, for the idols speak delusion. The diviners envision lies and tell false dreams. They comfort in vain. Therefore, the people win their way like sheep. They are in trouble because there is no shepherd. My anger is kindled against the shepherds, and I will punish the goat herds, for the Lord of hosts will visit his flock, the house of Judah. And so what is he talking about here? The people would continue to be led astray, and they would start following the old gods, um, the, the pagan gods of the day. and. And uh, God is saying those are those are worthless idols. Um, they uh, they tell false dreams. They comfort in vain, right? So they uh, you know I mean to the point of these old gods, these pagan uh, gods would require child sacrifice in order to bring comfort. Um, you know, so these interesting and, and very disgusting pagan practices. Um, the people of Israel, unfortunately, would begin to adopt, and that led to their downfall. Um, but then God is going to push those gods out as well. Uh, he will destroy them. He will destroy those cultures eventually. Um, uh, verse 6 of, of there of chapter 10 um, says, I will strengthen the house of Judah, and I will save the house of Joseph. I will bring them back because I have mercy on them. They, they shall be as though I had not cast them aside, for I am the Lord their God. I will hear them. Those of Ephraim shall be like a mighty man. Their heart shall rejoice as if the wine, as if with wine. Yes, their children shall see it and be glad. Their heart shall rejoice in the Lord. 
I will whistle for them and gather them, for I will redeem them, and they shall increase as they once increased. And so there's all the, always this reminder that God is going to restore, um, that, that he never is going to abandon his people. And uh, then you get to chapters 11 through 13. Um, this is the vision of the shepherds. There are three shepherds. Um, shepherds are the rulers. Um, this is not talking about uh, shepherds like in the fields uh, <laughs> during Christmas. Um, shepherd was, is talking about different rulers. Again, there's been different ideas as to who these rulers are. Um, but basically, they are leading the flock astray. Um, and you uh, get to chapter 12. Um, it says, thus says the Lord who stretches out the heavens, lays the foundation of the earth and forms the spirit of man within him. Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup, cup of drunkenness to all the surrounding peoples when they lay siege against Ju Judah and Jerusalem. And it shall happen in that, in that day that I will make Jerusalem a very heavy stone for all the peoples. All who would heave it away will surely be cut in pieces. In that day, says the Lord, this is verse four, um, I will strike every horse with confusion, its rider with madness. I'll open my eyes on the house of Judah, will strike every uh, horse of the people with blindness. Um, just continues to go on. Verse seven, the Lord will save the tents of Judah first so that the glory of the house of David and the glory of the inhabitants of Jerusalem shall not become greater than that of Judah. In that day, the Lord will defend the inhabitants of Jerusalem. The one who is feeble among them in that day shall be like David. And the house of David shall be like God, like the angel of the Lord before them. It shall be in that day that I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against uh, Jerusalem. Um, so it's talking about that Jerusalem at this point, right, is, is kind of pathetic on the world stage. It is returning from exile, but it is not powerful. It's still being ruled by foreign uh, powers. Um, and that would continue for hundreds of years. Um, so this is clearly talking about a time um, when the Lord will restore. And, um, you know, whether you can make that case that that's already happened or is still to come, um, uh, we don't know. But it does talk about God's faithfulness, his faithfulness to his people, um, to, the, to, to Israel. Um, things that we, we need to at least consider and take seriously. Um, verse 10 is interesting. It says, And I will pour on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication, that they will look on me whom they pierce. Yes, they will mourn for him as one mourns for his only son and grieve for him as one grieves for a firstborn. In that day, there shall be a great mourning in Jerusalem, like the mourning at Hadad Rahman on the plain of Megiddo. Um, so is that referring to a time where Jerusalem, uh, where Israel will recognize that Jesus is the one, is the Messiah? Um, is that a future date? Um, but there were also many, remember, all of the early church were all Jewish. So did they recognize it? Is that what it's referring to? We, we don't fully know. Okay. And some people will, you know, be very confident in this. I, I, I do not, I do not know the answer, but I believe that, that one day all will come to remember and to know, um, who, who the Messiah is, how God continued to reach out to the people. Um, chapter 13 talks about how idolatry will be, will be cut off. Um, and then, uh, we, we have the, the shepherd savior, right? There's the, the three shepherds who had these visions, they are corrupt rulers. 
But the shepherd savior is different. In verse seven of chapter 13, it says, Awake, O sword, against my shepherd, against the man who is my companion, says the Lord of hosts. Strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. Then I will turn my hand against the little ones and it shall come to pass in all the land, says the Lord, that two thirds in it shall be cut off and die, but one third shall be left in it. I will bring the one third through the fire will refine them as silver is refined and test them as gold is tested. They will call on my name and I will answer them. I will say, this is my people. And each one will say, the Lord is my God. Right? Will kind of viewing, what does that mean exactly? We, we don't know, but don't you want to be part of the one third? The one who goes through the fire, who remains faithful, who does not abandon the truth of God, who continues to strive Uh, to speak the truth of God, to live out the truth of God, no matter what may be going on um, around us, Um, so that we can say, the Lord is my God, no matter what. Then you have chapter 14. Uh, Chapter 14 uh, is clearly kind of looking looking forward um, as as it's maybe we would call it Armageddon. It's the day of the Lord um, is coming, um, and it, it talks a lot about what that will look like, that it, it is mass chaos. It is Armageddon, um, right? That, that God will, uh, will bring an account to, to ev- everyone. And then in verse 16, it says, and it shall come to pass that everyone who is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall go up from year to year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, to keep the feast of tabernacles. And it shall be that whichever of the families of the earth do not come up to Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord of hosts. On them, there will be no rain. Um, so what is this saying? That ultimately all people will come to recognize the one true God, right? And that they will be worshiping the one true God. Uh, verse 20, in that day, holiness to the Lord shall be engraved on the bells of the horses. The pots in the Lord's house shall be like the bowls before the altar. Yes, every pot in Jerusalem and Judah shall be holiness to the Lord of hosts. What is this saying? Saying no longer do you have to go to the temple, uh, but every pot is is uh, as sacred, um, so that um, it, it's removing some of those barriers, um, and that all will be welcome um, to come into the holiness uh, of the Lord. And um, kind of kind of interesting. Again, has this happened yet? I don't I don't think so. I think this is probably still referring to something. Uh, in the future, um, but don't get bogged down in in trying to make this match our timeline. There is mystery to this, uh, but we can still learn a lot about it. Um, that when we see society moving in a direction like Israel was moving, we should stand up and and warn and and make sure that we do not give in. Um, to those ungodly directions. Uh, And we also take hope and comfort in knowing that God, he will make things right. Um, He he will bring justice and thankfully it will be his justice. So it will be holy. It will be true. Um, But it, it will be uncomfortable. Um, So we'll, we'll stop there um, as we um, begin on Thursday. Let's uh, go more kind of futuristic visions. We're going to go Daniel 8 uh, through 12.
Yeah, 8 through 12 uh, in the, the book of Daniel. All right, so we'll see you on Thursday.